Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John, and I am super glad that you're joining me on this episode. Here in the Bible in Life, our whole heart is to help people follow Jesus well, and we do that by offering what I call Blue Jeans Theology. That is theology in everyday dress, theology that's connected in and rooted to everyday life and explained and expressed in the language of everyday life. And Uh, Again, the goal of that is not just to make people smarter at the Bible or smarter at theology. The goal of that is to help us really understand Jesus and his values and his ways so that we can follow him in our everyday life, that we can follow him right where we live on a regular basis. And on today's episode, we have two questions that really get at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus, that really drive us to the essence of following Jesus, spiritual growth, living by faith, all of that. We have been in the middle of a series where we're looking at some of the hard words of Jesus or confusing words of Jesus or things where it's just like makes you scratch your head or we're just wondering how do we live out Jesus' words. I've been calling it, what did Jesus mean by? And we've just been looking at various questions or passages that people have sent to me where they're wondering, what did Jesus mean by this? Or Uh, How do we live out what Jesus said here? And we've been wrestling with that. And again, the two topics we're going to look at today really get to the heart of discipleship to Jesus. And that's what it means to be a Christian. To To be a Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus, to be learning from Jesus how to live your life is Jesus would live your life if he were in your place. That's what this is all about. And the first question today is, really a broad stated question. So we're going to have to kind of parse out the question a little bit. We'll work our way down. And that question is simply this. What does it mean to love everyone? In fact, the the questioner simply typed in my Instagram, loving everyone, question mark. And that's important because Jesus has a lot to say about this. Love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. Notice that. Love one another as, like, in the same way as, I have loved you. That's a high standard of love. Like, I'm supposed to love the one another's in my life the same way Jesus has loved me. That's a pretty high standard. Or uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And then that leads right into the Good Samaritan story and raising the question of, well, who's your neighbor? What does it mean to be a neighbor? And then uh, another way Jesus said this is love your enemies and do good to those who harm you, who attack you. Like, love everyone. Jesus had an awful lot to say about loving people. And here's the first thing I would say as we kind of process this question and think, think it through together. Love everyone. What I find fascinating, even just from those examples that I quoted from the teaching of Jesus, is Jesus actually never says to love everybody. Jesus is far more particular and far more specific than that. Love one another as I have loved you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies and do good to those who harm you. Notice how specific and particular those are. One another. That's the people that you have relationships with. Your neighbor is literally those who are close to you, those who you encounter, those who you come into contact with. Your enemy. And he clarifies that by saying, those who harm you. So they're they're not just 
generic enemies out there. There are people who are actively in your life who attack you, who hurt you, who harm you, who are opposed to you, who are against you. So Jesus actually never says love everyone in general. What Jesus teaches us is to love these people in particular. By these people, he means the people in your life, the people that you interact with, the people who live on the same street as you, or you know, the people that live right around you, the people you encounter at the bank, at the grocery store, at the gas station. Uh, your neighbor is, in the teaching of Jesus there in the story of the Good Samaritan, is anybody who you have an opportunity to help out, care for, and love. Like, you actually have a, a particular experience where you could engage with them. You could help them out. They have a need that you could meet. Uh, you have contact and an interaction with them. And that's so Jesus' teaching in the Good Samaritan is instead of trying to define who you, who your neighbor is so that we know who to love, you just be neighborly to the people that you actually encounter. You love the people in your sphere of influence. And, and that's consistent in the teaching of Jesus. It's consistent in the whole Bible is we're really never called to love all people in general. We're not capable of that. That's way too hard. And besides, it's too easy. <laughs> in one sense, it's too hard. We're not capable of it. In another sense, it's too easy in the sense that it's so easy to say, oh, yeah, I love everybody. But then we treat the actual people in our life poorly. And so Jesus calls us to love the people in our life in particular. So that's the first thing we need to say. When we talk about loving everyone, let's narrow that down to Let's love the people that we have contact with on a daily basis in concrete, tangible, active ways. If they're opposed to us and harm us, let's be actively kind to them like Jesus teaches. If they're somebody that's part of our fellowship, our group of Christians, right, our, our one another's, love them the same way Jesus has loved us. If they're just somebody who is in our neighborhood, our the people we interact with, right, let's Love them as we love ourselves, the people, these particular people in our life. Let's love them well. That's the first thing we need to say about that, that question. The second thing is, I actually followed up with this questioner and wanted a few more specifics. Um, and she gave a specific example from, um, say, for example, the LGBTQ community. Like, like, what does it mean to love them? that group of people. And that helps us realize that there are people who are in our sphere of influence who are quite different from us. And the question that she really asked was, um, I'm sure that Jesus is right, that we're supposed to love them, but I watch other Christians and it doesn't seem like they always love people who are radically different from them, who have different values than them, uh, and some of that. Um, and Here's here's just a little something I would say. As we seek to love the people in our life in particular, I know one of the things that Christians find challenging is that they wrestle with, what's the balance between grace and truth? How do you love someone who is going against very clear teachings of Jesus, whether that's Jesus' teachings on sexuality, whether that's LGBTQ, questions, whether that's just um, other sexual sins and other ways to do wrong, right? Like, like whatever it is, 
whether it's gossip, slander, whether it's anger and mean spiritedness, like what's the balance between grace and truth? How do you love somebody who seems to be going against the very clear standards of Jesus? Um, and on this particular question, especially the specific question this questioner raised, I would recommend uh, a book by my good friend Preston Sprinkle. It's called People to Be Loved, and it's really wrestling with what the New Testament teaches concerning the LGBTQ community and what the Bible teaches about um, homosexual practice. And 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 what uh, that book, People to Be Loved, I'll put a link to it down below, but what I really, really appreciate is the spirit and the tone of grace and kindness while at the same time seeking the truth of Jesus' teaching on the subject. That balance, grace and truth, grace and truth, that's got to be the balance that we we wrestle with and we adhere to. And what I really appreciate this emphasis over and over and over again in Preston's work, in Preston's life, is this, that Preston models and Preston explicitly teaches, lead with love. Lead with love. Uh, instead of leading with truth, leading with, I think you're wrong and you need to change your way of life, lead with love, lead with grace. That doesn't mean we ignore the truth. It doesn't mean we pretend that right and wrong don't matter, or there's not a right and wrong on the subject, or Jesus didn't say anything, his apostles didn't say anything important about the subject. Uh, it means we, we uh, recognize there's a truth on this, but we lead with love. And Preston emphasizes that because we actually see that in the ministry of Jesus. Like, Jesus leads with love, engages people out of a heart of love and in a spirit of love while leading them into the truth. And so, love comes first. Lead with love. But at the same time, Preston would emphasize that we we serve no one if we ignore reality. Uh, and Truth is trying to grasp reality. Uh, reality is what we run into when we're wrong. And reality is just what it is. You, you could believe all you want that you have a full tank of gas in your car. But if your tank is empty, your car's not going anywhere. That's what happens. When we ignore reality, we, we run into it and all of a sudden things don't work right. And so we don't serve anyone if we ignore reality reality. And so we lead with love, and because of love, we want to serve and help and process and wrestle with and point people to the truth about reality. And so as we seek to love the particular people that God brings our way and the people that are in our sphere of influence and the people that we interact on a regular basis, these particular people, we lead with love and we point towards and we engage in discussions that help people grasp reality and live in sync with reality more and more fully. And of course, all of that's done in a spirit of kindness, grace, truth, because we genuinely care about people and we love the people that the Lord brings our way. All right, that's the first question. Uh, the second question has to do with a particular passage in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And in that text, there is a widow who, uh, as Jesus is observing people giving their offering in the temple in Jerusalem, this 
poor, poverty-stricken widow comes in. She gives a very, very small offering, and yet Jesus commends her. And the question that uh, has been asked is this. Is Jesus saying that a person should give away everything he has? Or is there another lesson here? I'm sure the the warning in the verses before have to do with it, since he talked about widows there, and the verses after about the temple somehow relate to it. But what's he saying? What's his point with regard to the widow? And the widow is the one who gave largely everything she had, and it was a very small amount. So what's his point? Um, and as the question noticed, noted, uh, we got to pay attention to the original context. Whenever we're studying a passage of Scripture, the original context is critical. We've got to hear the text in its original context. Uh, that context includes two parts, the literary context and the setting and the culture. And so in this case, the literary context is how it connects with the, the paragraphs before and after. And in a narrative text like a gospel, that means asking, well, why did the author choose to put this little snapshot at this point in the story? So in this case, I think the preceding verses are most important. There, Jesus warns those listening to him to beware of the scribes. The scribes were legal experts. Uh, that, that is, they were experts in the Old Testament law. And he says to beware of these experts in the Old Testament law because of their pride, their desire for honor, and their own self-exaltation. That's what Jesus says in the preceding verses just before this episode with the widow. That proud spirit leads them, Jesus says, to devour widows' houses. Widows and orphans were among the most vulnerable people in the ancient world, and the Old Testament is full of instructions on caring for them, uh, including that God would be their defender, he would defend them against those who would exploit them, and we're not sure exactly in what way they're devouring widows' homes, but Jesus is accusing them of taking advantage of poor, vulnerable widows. That's what's going on in the preceding context. And then coming out of that, you get this little snapshot about the widow. All right. Second thing to note about the context is this. The original context, as I said, also includes the original setting and the original culture. So in the snapshot we're looking at here in Mark 12, 41 and following, here comes this poor, vulnerable widow, the very kind of person that the self-serving, arrogant scribe would exploit. She doesn't have much, uh, and she doesn't seem important at all. In fact, she's just kind of on the periphery, right? Everybody else that's putting in their offering is putting in way more coins than she is. And so as they drop their coins into the metal offering container, their money rattles with noise because they're offering so much. This widow, she comes along. And she puts in two small coins, the text says. In fact, the two smallest coins in circulation, like, like in American you know, uh, currency, it would be like a penny. She puts in two pennies, hardly anything. She puts in, Jesus says, everything she has, two little pennies. In her faith and devotion to God, she puts in this tiny amount, but it's a huge sacrifice. And that actually seems to be the point. Unlike the scribe, who really is into religion for his own personal gain, this woman has genuine faith in God and genuine devotion to God. The scribe serves himself. 
He exalts himself. He'll do that even at the expense of exploiting others. But this widow, this unimportant, poor widow, who doesn't hardly have anything to offer, this widow gladly sacrifices for God and depends on God for her care and her provision. So the point isn't for us to say, oh, we've got to give everything away. That's not really Jesus' point in context. Jesus' point is, look at this widow. See her. See her faith. See her devotion. See her dependence on God. Imitate that. Imitate that. And in the specific circumstances of my life and your life, that's going to look different. Not only that, avoid the self-exaltation, self-serving use of religion that the scribe uh, embodies. So don't be like the scribe who's self-serving, self-exalting, and who uses religion not really to magnify God and depend on God, but to kind of advantage himself. Instead, look at this poor widow. The scribe, he's got more power. He, he knows more scripture. He seems so important, but he's not a positive example for Jesus. This widow, this unimportant poor widow, she actually has more faith in God and depends on God more than uh, he does Imitate her. Be like her. And that seems to be the point. When you look at these two questions, they really remind us of the two greatest commandments. Love God with everything you have, like the widow did. Love and trust God with your whole being, like the widow did. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said those are the two greatest commandments. And that's the heart of who we're supposed to be as followers of Jesus. People who love God and depend on him with everything we have, and who love those people that are near to us and that are in our sphere of influence, the, the way the Lord has loved us, with the same sort of care we would give to ourselves. Love God and love your neighbor. And ultimately, all discipleship to Jesus should lead to those two things. And if it doesn't, then we're doing discipleship wrong. All right, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. And thank you to all the ministry partners who make this ministry possible. This month, I'm particularly thankful for a few new donors and new ministry partners that have joined the team. So I'm thankful to Susan. I'm thankful to Sam. I'm thankful to Steve and Michelle for your generosity and your support. Literally, this ministry could not happen without the generosity of monthly donors like you. And so to you and to all the ministry partners that make this ministry go, thanks a ton. If you want to become a ministry partner and help the Bible and Life ministry, the listeners commentary, core training for Christian online courses, and all of that go, you can do so by going to worldfamilymissions.org and you can find my profile there and you can give through that um, that portal right there. I'll put a link to it down in the notes below. Hey, thanks again for tuning into this episode. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.